0: Do you ever feel uncomfortable? Uh, Are there times in your life that that, that you have felt uncomfortable? There are certain times and places and contexts, or sometimes we're just in a situation that's unfamiliar to us, that causes us to be uncomfortable. The Jews of Jesus' day were uncomfortable whenever they encountered, or often when they encountered... Someone who is not Jewish, was someone who was of a different ethnicity, was someone who did not know the God of the Bible, or or Yahweh, as they would say. But Jesus wasn't. Jesus had a love for everyone. And Jesus reached out even to those who would have made his Jewish contemporaries uneasy. If you have your scriptures, your Bible with you, please be turning to Matthew chapter 15. And as you turn to Matthew chapter 15, I want you to think about the fact that there were times when even Jesus was tired. We have some folks with us this morning who have worked long shifts yesterday, and they're tired. And sometimes we don't think about Jesus being tired. But Jesus was tired in Matthew chapter 15. He was tired because Matthew tells us that as Jesus was coming out of Gennesaret or by the eastern part of what you and I call Palestine, as He was leaving or as He was walking through Gennesaret, people came to Him and so many people were coming to Him because they heard that here was this man that could heal you. And they were bringing everyone to him to be healed, so much so that the crowds were so massive. There are so many people that were sick, so many people that were ill, that, that they were coming to Jesus and they were saying, just let us touch your coat, just let us touch your cloak to be healed. And so that's what they were doing, just trying to touch his garment to be healed. And Matthew tells us that they were. They would just reach out and touch the fringe of his cloak. And they would be healed. Can you imagine being Jesus and, and working your way from east to west over Palestine and the crowds being so massive, so large, that so many people were around you that they were just reaching out and touching your cloak? Can you imagine how tiring that would be? And yet, Matthew tells us that not only was that going on, just a massive amount of people, just everyone just trying to touch him. Not only was that going on, but then Matthew tells us, as we move down into chapter 15, that the Pharisees came to confront Jesus. And so Matthew tells us, beginning in verse 1, he says, Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem. And, and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? And they begin to argue with Jesus about the tradition of the Jewish leadership and why His apostles didn't work in a particular way. And, and Jesus tells a parable to Discuss the attitude of the Pharisees. And yet Jesus here has that confrontation. And He has that confrontation. His disciples, they don't get it themselves. And so at the end of Jesus telling that parable and having that discussion with the Pharisees, His disciples came to Him and said, Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? And so Jesus has to stop what He's doing to discuss this with His disciples. He has the crowds surrounding Him, reaching out to touch Him. He has the Pharisees coming to debate with Him. And then His own disciples don't get it. And then, even worse than that, it's at that time that Peter says to Him, Explain the parable to us, Jesus. The parable that He just told to the Pharisees that they were so upset because they thought, Oh no, the Pharisees are going to be offended. And Jesus says... Are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you ever get the sense that Jesus just wanted to pull his hair out in working with the apostles? These men who are supposed to be his closest followers, supposed to be his assistants, men that he could send out to accomplish tasks for him. And even they, as they traveled with Jesus, they just didn't get it. How tiring would that be? And so in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is tired. And we don't like to think about Jesus and His humanity being tired, but Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21 that Jesus went away and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is on the coast. And so he travels from Gennesaret that's in the east on the other side of the Jordan River and he travels to the coast. And so the events of Matthew 14 and 15 probably cover multiple days as Jesus travels what would have been probably a two or three days journey on foot. But Matthew tells us he, he withdrew. Think about that idea, that word of withdrawing or, with, or withdrew. It doesn't mean that Jesus just stepped aside or Jesus just went away for a moment. But the idea of withdrew can also be translated to retire or to seek refuge. Matthew isn't just saying that Jesus went to a different place to do work in another place. He's saying Jesus went to get refuge. Jesus went to retire. And then Mark tells us in his account of the same story that Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. When he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. Jesus doesn't want anyone to know where he's at because he just wants to get away for a moment. Those of you who have kids, especially if you have a multiplicity of kids... You look for that time when you can just get away, right? Just give me a moment. As the old commercial said, Calgon, take me away, right? And here's Jesus. Imagine what it was like for Jesus. Even though He's the Messiah, the Son of God, still He has everyone pressing against Him, just trying to touch Him. Facing the confrontation with the Pharisees having to stop and explain things to his apostles. And then even they don't get it. And Jesus just needs a little refuge. And yet as he's there seeking that refuge, he encounters the Canaanite woman, or in Mark's account, the Syrophoenician woman. Verse 22, a Canaanite woman from that region, came out, came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, Son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he didn't answer her a word. And his disciples came in and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. Now this isn't the Jesus that we know, is it? Because we thought Jesus cared for everybody. And yet he's not even talking to the woman. And this is a strange story for us. But remember, Jesus is seeking a refuge. He's seeking to retire. He doesn't want anyone to know where he's at. He just needs some quiet time. And his disciples say, Look, this woman's outside the house. Combining Matthew's account and Matthew's account. This woman's outside the house and she keeps screaming at us to let her come into the house so that you can do something for her. Just send her away. Just do what she asks. Make it easy. Make it simple. So she won't bug us. Because Jesus, we probably want some quiet time too. Now the text doesn't say that, but I wonder if that's what they were thinking. But Jesus doesn't just do the simple thing. He reminds his apostles of his work and his mission and his focus. And he responds to the disciples, not the woman, but the disciples who say, just send her away. Just go ahead and heal her and send her away. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now again, that seems sharp to us, that Jesus would say that. But Jesus is reminding His apostles, I have a mission. And we understand Jesus' mission. Jesus was to come and to die for our sins. And that was Jesus' primary overarching mission. And we understand that. But Jesus also had a mission. As we look in Mark chapter 1 and verse 14, as we've studied that passage in the past, as we've looked at it in the past, that Jesus came to the house of Israel to proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. Meaning he was preparing Israel for the fact that they needed to repent because they were the vehicle through which the Messiah was to come. And Jesus knew the end of the story. They weren't going to repent and they were going to crucify him. And so Jesus is reminding his apostles, this is what my task is. But Jesus isn't done just yet. Things turn as the woman displays her faith in God. Notice the next verse, verse 25. Matthew chapter 25, verse 25. But she came and began to bow down before Him, saying, Lord, help me. So the woman comes in and she bows down before Jesus and she calls Him Lord. She acknowledges Him, but she also displays her humility towards Him by bowing down, To Jesus, postrating herself before Jesus, acknowledging who he is and who she is, that she needs him. I can't do this, Jesus, without you. My daughter is in desperate need. You're the only one that can save her. She bows down to Jesus. And then Jesus makes a general observation as he responds to the woman. Listen to how harsh this sounds to us. He answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And so that seems rough and harsh to us. Why would Jesus say this? Is Jesus calling this woman a dog? Is she saying that because she's a Canaanite and not a Jew that she is a dog? I don't think that's what Jesus is saying at all. He's using an analogy to describe his mission, the importance of his mission, by saying, look, you want to take something that is necessary for your children to survive, something that your children need. You want to take the food in your house. You want to take the bread out of your cupboard and just throw it away. You would make sure that your children are cared for. And Jesus is saying, "I was sent to the Israelites for this mission. God had this task for me, and this is what I'm doing. But notice the woman's faith as she cries out to Jesus and how she turns Jesus' analogy around. She says, "Yes, Lord, but even dogs' feet at the cr- feet on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She says, Jesus, this is nothing for you. You can still give your bread to the children of Israel, but you still have some left over. This is nothing for you. You see, she displayed her faith in Jesus, in his ability to save her daughter. And so Jesus stops, Jesus serves, and Jesus saves. Because Jesus tells her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. She doesn't even leave the house. And her daughter is healed. Think about all those people who had been reaching out to Jesus, all those Jews, all those people who should have been waiting for the Messiah, expecting the Messiah, who were clamoring to Jesus so they could be healed. And maybe they weren't interested in anything that Jesus was teaching or doing. They just wanted to touch His garment. They just wanted to touch His clothes just so they could be healed. I suppose I would be the same way. But maybe they didn't even believe in Him. They just knew this is the guy that... Everyone says, can heal you. And yet here is a woman who comes in deep faith and trust of God and of Jesus and says, this is nothing for you to do. I know you're able to do this, Jesus. It doesn't take anything away from your mission of Israel. And he stops, and he serves, and he saves. Last week we saw how Jesus healed the blind men because he was moved by compassion. And in this story we see that Jesus acts because he is moved by her faith. She is someone who is truly seeking Jesus as the only one that can heal her daughter. The only one that offers hope. Jesus is not uncomfortable with her being a Canaanite. He sees her as being someone who is truly seeking. And so He heals and serves. The Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, the scribes, the priests would have had nothing to do with this woman because she wasn't a Jew. Jesus probably retired to the regions of Tyre and Sidon because he knew that because that was Gentile-dominated area that the Jews wouldn't follow him, he could get a respite because they weren't going to go there because that's where the evil people are. That's where the pagans are. That's where the idolaters are. But Jesus wasn't afraid to go. And when he had opportunity to heal. And so Jesus says, woman, your faith is great. Your daughter is well. And before she even leaves, she's healed because of her faith. Because Jesus was willing to act. Jesus displays the fact in his ministry that he was not afraid to help those who would have been uncomfortable to the Jews. In Matthew, or John chapter 4, we see Jesus moving through Samaria, something the Jews would have never done because they hated the Samaritans. And yet Jesus is traveling through Samaria and He comes to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And He talks with her, talks to her about the Messiah, talks to her about God. We don't know if she ended up believing in Jesus, but we know that everyone in that town did by the end of John chapter 4. Luke chapter 17, Jesus heals the ten lepers. Who's the one leper that comes back to thank Jesus? The one man that happened to be a Samaritan. You see, Jesus thought it was no big deal to heal the Samaritan along with the nine Jews who were also lepers with him. And of course, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, the Roman centurion says, My servant is dead. And Jesus raises that servant. A non-Jew. A servant of a Roman centurion. Because Jesus wasn't afraid or uncomfortable with the Gentiles. Jesus' mission was to come and to die for us, to die on the cross, to pay the debt for our sin. And that was his overarching mission. But as we've mentioned already in Mark chapter 1 and verse 14, He came to proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand to the house of Israel to prepare them, I believe, for their role in bringing the Messiah and the fact that they needed to repent. But He knew what they were going to do. They were going to reject Him as a nation and crucify Him instead. But it had always been God's mission to call everyone to be a blessing for everyone. And so when God tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, I'm going to give you all this land, He says there in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, at the very beginning of Scripture, Abraham, in you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And He told that to Abraham on multiple occasions. And then He tells it to Abraham's son Isaac. And He tells it to Isaac's son Jacob. In your seed all the families or all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Centuries later, Isaiah the prophet writes and he says, look, when the Messiah comes, he's going to come. He's going to uh, be one to whom all the nations of the earth will resort or the nations will resort resort to the seed or the stem or the root of Jesse, a descendant of King David, who's going to stand as a signal for the peoples. Everyone's going to rally to him. You see, it was God's mission for everyone to be reached. And Jesus wasn't afraid to do that. So a passage you've heard me reference many times. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. This becomes our mission. Jesus says, Go therefore into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've taught you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. God's desire, Jesus' desire, is that everyone would come to Christ, and so this is our task, this is our mission. As we think about the Benbrook Church of Christ, what we're doing, it is our desire to reach out to everyone, including diverse social, economic situations. It's so easy for us to rub elbows and build relationships with those around us that are just like us. But we want to be determined and diligent that as we plant this church, as we start this church, that we are going to reach out to everyone in our community with the gospel, regardless of who they are we want to reach people of multiple ethnicities. Do you realize how special what you and I have is? Think about the churches you've been to in your life. Aren't they pretty homogenous? That is to say, a oneness. And We're not trying to be mean to folks, but it's our natural inclination. It's natural for us to befriend folks that are just like us and look just like us, have the same backgrounds that we do. And so as we do that, it's natural for us that that's who's around us. That's who we worship with. But God wants us to reach everyone. And so it's difficult for churches that have existed for a long period of time to start reaching out to people that are different from them. But that's exactly what we want to do. And as we plant this church and start this church, we have an opportunity to do things differently and be determined and diligent to take the gospel to everyone in our community. Even if they make us feel a little uncomfortable because we're stepping outside our comfort zone because I, I, I can befriend someone who is just like me but sometimes I step outside my comfort zone to reach those who are a little bit different from me and so we want to be diligent to do that as we plant this church we want to reach folks from different <laughs> occupations from different education levels Because we want to fulfill God's command that we take the gospel to everyone. We want to pattern our activities from Jesus who is willing to reach everyone with the gospel. And so we want to reach all people. Our task as a church is to do that. And yet, someone may very well say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. When you look over, Ron, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5, Jesus is getting ready to send His apostles out into Judea. And He tells His apostles as He's sending them out, don't go to Samaria or to the Gentiles, but only to the house of Israel. Why would Jesus do that if He was all-inclusive, as you say? Remember, Jesus' initial mission was to take that message of repentance that the kingdom of God was at hand to Israel. And so He's sending His apostles out because He's sending them to the cities of Judea with that message to that audience. But later on, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells those very same apostles, I'm sending you to Judea and to Samaria and to the remotest ends of the world because now the message has changed. And it's the same message that you and I have to take the gospel into the world. And so that is our task. That's what God wants us to do as His church. As we dream together and work together, let's not allow ourselves to be limited by what might make others feel uncomfortable. Let's reach the hurting in the neighborhoods. Let's hear the voice of those crying out to Jesus, wherever they might be in Benbrook and the surrounding communities. Let's see the wandering souls of every age group so that we might reach them with the gospel. Let's plant a church that's going to have love and compassion and concern for every person. Let us be thoughtful and determined and diligent to seek the lost in this community, no matter who they be. Let's open the doors for all. And let's not let what might make someone else uncomfortable prevent us from accomplishing our mission. Maybe you're here this morning and you've heard the gospel and you're here crying out to God. You want to be united with Jesus in His death, burial, and resurrection through baptism so that you might begin a new life and a new walk with God. Maybe you have some other need. But whatever your need, won't you come? As together we stand and sing.